the past. It used to be a newspaper. The Bob Podcast. Not outclassed. Ones on mass. Get it on my leader right up to the end of the game. The Bob Podcast. My name's Mark Isles, and I am the Chief Football Writer of the Bolton News. This is the show that promises absolutely no right-wing politics. We signed for a club in Romania absolutely ages ago. And on pod number 192 this week, after eight, Wanderers go goal nuts against Manchester United, but was it a fair fight? Red flag, Gethin gets a three-match ban, but did he deserve the grief that went with it? Patched up, why Ian Everett might have to mix and match at Port Vale. And what would happen if you crossed Jamie Pollock with Andy O'Brien? Intriguing, huh? All that and much more in an hour that only hates United. Before we start, however, a thank you to the businesses who have already contacted us about Wanderers Boost, our new advertising feature that can get your brand attached to our best read Bolton Wanderers stories in the Bolton News. Put simply, you can reach tens of thousands of Bolton fans every single weekend by putting your brand in on our top rated stories. We're selling them on a match to match basis for home and away games, league and cup, and along with your eye catching advert, a digital skin so they say, uh, on our most popular articles. You'll also get up to three audio ads on this very podcast as well, so you're reaching even more people literally worldwide. Wanderers Boost is perfect for any business and brand that wants to be seen by the fans of the Super Whites. So if you want any more information, then contact John Ashley on john.ashley at localiq.co.uk. His contacts are also in the podcast notes. Crack on. Okay, let's get cracking on another podcast. A slight departure from the norm, though, because um, instead of talking about Bolton Wanderers, Dr. Henry Hewitt has volunteered to explain how scientific thinking on antimatter has evolved this week and may disprove some of the principles outlined in Einstein's general theory of relativity. Now, Dr. Hewitt, if, as Einstein theorizes, the weak equivalence principle requires that all masses react identically to gravity independent of their internal structure and that anti-hydrogen atoms released from magnetic confinement in Alpha G apparatus behave in a way consistent with the gravitational attraction of the Earth, should Ian ever have kept Declan, John and Kieran Sadlier? <laughs> so I'm really glad that I just got the last line of that. Um... <laughs> Uh, I think in the in the short term, he probably should have. But in the long term, no, I don't think he should have. Oh, that's the end of that debate. See you later on another edition of The Buff. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, how have you been? How have you been? It's been, a, been an interesting week at Wanderers. It has, yeah. I'd love to say that I've been there, but I haven't been able to. I was on a, a, a breastfeeding course on Saturday afternoon. How's it, go? How's it not... going? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm trying, Mark, and uh, but it's just not happening for me. But um, no, it's uh, obviously with the impending birth of my son. But um, yeah, it's uh, it was funny though because the first half I was fine. We had kind of had a break halfway through, which annoyingly it was pretty much when the game was on the whole thing. Mm. So uh, halfway through we had a break. So the 15 minute break actually meant that I got to get updates of both goals going in. But then we'd gone back in by the time Jones had been sent off. So in this uh, second half, as I'm uh, slyly glancing at my phone, getting updates from the club, and and you know, I'm the because obviously I could by that you mean Twitter. Match Day Live. 
Yeah, well, this I need to just point out that it would normally be Match Day Live, but because I had to slyly look at my phone, it had to be the Twitter updates from the club. So I weren't You're going excused. too much in. Thank you. Uh, but they were saying, oh, posh it the post again, posh do this. And I'm like, what's going on here? And it wasn't till the end when they said, 10-man bolt and get a point. I went, oh, we had a man sent off. So, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't even know about that. But um, I, when I realised we'd gone down to 10 men, I thought, okay, that's not a bad point. You've done quite well to get through a breastfeeding class while slyly looking at your phone. I've got to be completely honest with you, mate. I'm not sure that's a, I'm not sure that's a look you want to carry on. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. So a week of two halves. A week of two halves. We'll we'll get on to posh. We'll get on to posh because I want to talk about the eight goal thriller, the nine goal thriller. In fact, yeah. they did score um, in midweek. Um, does does it even matter uh, for those for those who have been blindly walking through this week? Wanderers beat Manchester United under twenty ones eight one in the EFL trophy. Uh, they're through to the knockout round now. Um, but I think it raises a lot of questions about the competition and, and letting under-21s teams in myself. Yeah, it does. I think when we play those teams, for me personally, like, and I've said on the podcast before, is that I really, um, I think it's a great opportunity to get to Wembley again. We had a great time last year. And, and I know some people are, you know, think it's until the final, it doesn't matter. And in many ways it doesn't. But, um, I, I do like this competition as a way to get into Wembley. But when you play the under-21s, you are thinking, I don't know. For me, it's just get a couple of goals ahead. You're not going to lose, and then that's it. I think I only really care until we get two, maybe three goals ahead. And then you're like, right, game over. We can relax now. Mm. And it, it was very much like that. It was, you know, I, I couldn't go to the game. Um, but when I saw that we were a few goals ahead... Then I, I watched the last half an hour and you're just kind of passively watching it. And mm. it was nice to see the uh, you know, the two young lads score. It was nice to see Unlunderloo uh, get a few goals. But Varsen score, that was all nice. But you are... I, I wasn't like as... I wasn't giving out a cheer when Bolton scored, put it that way. You're just kind of passively watching it. Nobody was. I, to be fair to the United fans, they... Obviously had a, a message to deliver, and I think they were they were chanting it all the way through the game. They were they were quite loud, but everybody was quite passive. Look, I mean, f from my point of view, uh, I do I, I appreciate the competition, and I think that Bolton have used it really well. And I think again, you know, he never got a little bit of flack maybe for the the strength of the team that he put out, and is he taking risks with the injury situation and such like. But I think that he's used this competition to just keep people bubbling under, especially the group stages. And as you say, with Badvarsen uh, and Lundlu, both of them have got goals now. Both of them are looking at Port Vale in a completely different way. You've got Kumbeni, Matheson, Inwood all, all came in and, and had a little bit of football as well. So that's got to be a good thing. So on, on that hand, being able to use younger players and being comfortable to use those younger players is a good thing and probably wouldn't have happened if... if Bolton were playing up against, let's say, Stockport County, who they come up against in the final group game. Doesn't matter; it's a dead rubber now. But maybe they'd have been a bit more reticent to do that. But you're not talking about under twenty ones teams. My my big gripe with it is that that United team, and I think Shola Shortai was by far and away the most experienced, and he'd had one loan that was at Bolton last season. The rest of them, there were a couple of good players. I thought Ethan Williams, the number eighty two, I might add. Um, I thought he was good. Uh, young uh, Sonny Al Joffrey as well, who uh, his dad hasn't played for Bolton many, uh, back in the day, of course. He he, he looks mm. quite handy as well. There's, they've obviously got a couple of lads who are, are pretty tidy. 
the, the problem being is you are literally talking about boys versus men, and I just don't see what sort of what sort of life lessons they're getting out of that. I mean, you mm. talked about eighteen, well, sixteen-year-olds actually at one point. There was six, a sixteen-year-old on the pitch up against Cameron Jerome, and you just think, well, you know, it, it, and it may well have happened in the back in the day in reserve team football, I suppose. But for the way around it for me, and and what do you think about this is. Instead of under-21 teams, it's not going to happen because I'm sure that the EFL are getting some sort of uh, reward for Premier League uh, academy teams coming into it. But what about doing away with under-21s and inviting in the top half of the National League and bringing in non-league clubs? The, the, the crowds would be much, much bigger, I'm very sure of that, especially at the non-league grounds. It would give... It, it, it maybe just gives that little bit of a bridge between you know the fifth division and uh the efl which i think everybody's been crying out for for a while i i'd, I'd love to see that wouldn't you yeah i i would personally I, I agree with you i don't think it's going to happen i do think that yeah the premier league are, are throwing a bit of money at um you know at the efl and uh that's probably why it's happening i think you know i dread the day that an under 21 team gets to the final because it'd be a farce but um yeah i, I would love to see that and i think there's enough teams now in the National League, you like to Rochdale's, Oldham's, Chesterfield's, who you don't look out of place mm. in in that competition. You know, Bolton have played all of those teams within the last five or six years. So, um, so yeah, so that would be great. But, uh, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. But, um, I mean, I, I, for me, I, I don't understand why was it played on a night that the United first team were playing. Sure, you know, that probably then meant that a few players who were going to play couldn't play. Um, and you, you, like you said, it's it's not doing anyone any good. Eight, you know, we we've been hearing all week about how's eight nil going to affect the Sheffield United players, but at least they're professionals. They're in the mid twenties or thirties. They have, you know, they'd have had big defeats before. They'd have had poor performances. They'll get over it. Whereas these lads, it could really affect them. And and also they'd have gone into the game thinking, well. Shoretere got a loan here last year. If I do well, I might get a loan to Bolton. Well, I don't think any of them, especially the goalkeeper, uh, I don't think any of them are going to get a loan this time. No, no, I just, I, I, I came out of it with a with a lot of questions. Obviously, Bolton did what they had to do. They performed really well on the night. I thought Josh Sheehan, I mean, obviously with the asterisks of he's playing against a load of uh, a load of kids, but my word, he ran that show. A uh, couple of goals for him, and, and he's really playing well at the minute, Sheehan. I thought we'll concentrate on, on the two strikers, uh, Lundaloo and Bod Varson, because I spoke to Dan and Lundaloo afterwards, and he had um, you know a, a couple of things we'll talk about in a bit of, uh, to talk about, his, his T-shirt tributes and such like. But from a purely playing point of view, it, we've said before on the podcast that it hadn't quite happened for him so far. He hasn't had his moment and I felt like maybe it had come when he came on second half against Peterborough. Him and Bob Varson gave a bit of energy to it. You know, almost almost turned the tide against Peterborough with 10 men uh, towards the end. But I, I just wonder whether those two goals against United will light the touch paper a little bit for him. Because he spoke after the game and said, listen... He said, I know that people have, have doubted me. I know that people are, are wondering, you know, is, am I worth it and all that sort of stuff. He said, but I really need people to keep the faith with me. Uh, I need people to, to back me as best as they can do because 
kind of that's the guy I am. I, I need an arm around my shoulder. And if he can get the support of the, uh, of the crowd, if he can get that moment, I just wonder whether he can be a different player. Yeah, and, and you know what? It's actually quite uh, nice that he's been that open with yeah, it because, yeah. you know, in the, in a world of bravado and, you know, players needing confidence, it's quite refreshing that he's been honest and gone, I just need a bit of support. Um, you know, and, and, you know, I've said previously on this podcast, I've said that I don't quite understand or I can't quite see where, you know, where especially uh, Ian Everett was saying, um, he could be the next Ivan Tony's coming from, but I did see it the other night. I saw that, and that's that glimpse that we all need of just that. Okay, there's something there. Let's see. And I, I, it could have been the other night. It could be a, a winner on Saturday. I think he'll have his Kachunga moment, if you mm. will, that he had against Accrington, and hopefully it'll turn it all around. And um, you know, he he can be successful at the club because I think watching his interview with the club and reading what he said to you the other days. He's quite a he's a likable guy. He's quite a he seems quite a, a I don't want to say timid, but a quite like um he, he does seem like he's someone who is a confidence player and he needs yeah. that confidence. So um yeah, it, it was quite nice to hear him say that. And and hopefully it can be the start of something because you know, I, there's not apart I obviously have people have question marks over why we brought Jerome in, but with a, if you look at him, uh, you look at Bavarsen, you look at uh, Ajo and Charles, no one's looking at that strike bait, strike force when they came in and went, why have we done that? They're all looking and going, this could be a, a great season. This could be, these could be great players. So um, I think we all understand that there is something there. But um, yeah, we'd just like to see it a bit more. But, you know, I spoke, my dad went to the game on Saturday. I spoke to him and, and he said when Lundalu came on with Bud Varson, he played very well. We did on Tuesday. So maybe that is, that's his, um, you know, that's his strike partner, Bud Varson. He needs to play with him and we'll see the best of Unlunderly. Yeah, a very interesting conversation I had with one of the members of staff at Peterborough talking after the game and he was talking about Bolton's striker options. He said, they're the best in the division. And I said, well, I said, he sound like Ian Everett. I was like, uh, there are Bolton fans that would probably beg to differ. And he said, no, he said, obviously, Charles speaks for himself. Adebay Joe, he said, every time he played against Peterborough in the past, he's looked absolutely fantastic. Uh, you know, he's, he's going to end up scoring goals. He said, and Lundaloo, when he's ever he's played against Peterborough, has absolutely bossed it. He bullied, bullied Peterborough, apparently, last season when he was playing at Cheltenham and previously at Lincoln. He said, obviously, you know, Jerome's got experience and Bod Varson's got, got pedigree as well. He said, that, no question about it we were talking about on the way up that, that Bolton have got the best attacking options in the division. And it's strange when you watch them every week or whether you have, you know, more familiarity or whether or not you just lose sight of what's going on elsewhere. It's strange how opposition fans and opposition staff and, and people view your team differently. Uh, because, you know, I, I look at the front four for Peterborough, for example, and think, huh, do you know, I, I, a couple of them could get in, the Bolton's team, they, they've got some, some good players there. And obviously people look at Johnson, Clark, Harris, and we've had that debate a million times. But yeah, I, I, it's very interesting the, the way that opinions change. Um, but yeah, that game, the Peterborough game, to, to drag things on, the Peterborough game was an odd one because I felt first half, Peterborough had the edge on it. I was always expecting Peterborough to score. Bolton just started coming into it towards the last 10 minutes or so and then went behind. They actually went behind 
a little bit against the run of play. They're just starting to, to link the passes together. Johnson Clark Harris scores immediately. We've barely had time to describe the goal. Immediately got an equaliser. Um, and then the flashpoint, Gethin Jones' red card just before the break. And then all hell broke loose because... The reaction to that red card, um, probably aside from the Kachunga slash Dion Charles stuff last season, um, I've not seen anything quite as vicious in my life. Yeah, well, it's... um, I mean, obviously, you'll have to talk about this more than I will because I weren't there. I got to see the tackle. And even straight away, even from the... You know, when people post, uh, like, they're watching it on the TV and they'll post a clip on, um, on Twitter... I thought straight away, I thought that's a nasty one. And I was quite surprised actually that Ian Everett came out and said he thought it was yellow. Um, mm. And then you see different angles of it. Uh, you know, people are filming from the crowd and you see those angles, which always surprises me when people do that. Because you think, it, especially when Bolton said that they're going to um, they're gonna appeal it, you think, well, I don't, is that going to do Bolton harm? <laughs> is that why we haven't appealed it in the end? Because yeah. there's multiple, like the EFL only have one angle, yet the the fans are putting up loads on on social media, but um, but yeah, it's it looked to a, a, you know I, I think we all know that yeah Geffen Jones he, he must have had a stressful few weeks we get that and maybe a bit of that anger's come out in that tackle the guy's done him he's got he's done him for pace he's he's getting in um, you know if Jones doesn't tackle him um, but you know it's not in his nature i think it's just been a, a rash late challenge and obviously he needs to be sent off for it so um so yeah i mean what how did it affect things how did it because i know ian Everett got booked for it so mm. what, from what your viewpoint what what happened well there was there was quite a bit of a uh melee if you will i think one of the harrison burrows one of the peterborough players came over towards the dugout and, and made some sort of gesture. I, I, it looked like he was kneeling down in front of the uh, the fourth official. And then suddenly the two benches got up and, and the current rules are that you can only have one person standing up and all that sort of stuff. But that completely went out the window. Everybody's up on the feet. Ian Everett's doing a bit of pointing. There's Darren Ferguson, his, his assistant, uh, front and centre, doing a bit of pointing. Everybody obviously putting pressure on the referee. Um, and obviously he got the right call. We doesn't matter how many times you've seen it or which angles you've seen it from. I, I felt at the time it was going to be a red, but I, I kind of kept my own counsel a little bit. I've, I've done that before where you instantly kind of say, oh, no, I don't think that is, and then you'll see a replay 10 seconds later and you look stupid. So I've learned to, to shut my mouth a little bit straight away on social media with those sort of things. Um, but my initial call was, yeah, I think he's caught him. And the reaction from the Bolton players as well kind of tells you a little bit of a tale. Um, it was more the the reaction from Bolton in the game that, that pleased me because after that, when they went down to 10 men, they, they looked so much more organised, so much... It, they were more comfortable. And yes, Peterborough did hit the woodwork a couple of times, three times, in fact, which I suppose tells a little bit of a different tale. But if, if it makes any sense, they weren't really clear-cut chances. They were kind of pot shots that were going in. I felt relatively comfortable that they were going to see out that game. It wasn't a kind of, uh, you know, massive backs-to-the-wall job. They they looked quite solid with two banks of four, albeit Dion Charles had to play as a right winger for most of the... And Dion, uh, Dempsey was playing on the left wing at one stage. Everybody had to, to shift round a little bit, but they did look comfortable. And, and there was a bit of that 
I was thinking, yeah, do you know what? It, it's good that you managed to see that result through, and I was I was kind of willing them on towards the end just to just to see that result. They nearly nicked it, as I said. The substitutes came on, made a difference, a bit like Derby did uh, when they were down to ten men a couple of weeks back. Suddenly, it didn't you know the psychology of the game changes once Bolton had one attack and they, it started to snowball. If if the game was five minutes longer, I think you know there would have been a, a decent chance for for Bolton to to actually win the game completely. So. Yeah, I I felt that was a very positive second half, um, given the circumstances. But unfortunately, I, I felt like the, the the couple of days after that, the response was was very negative, and and obviously there was a lot of um, silly things said about about Geth Jones, who doesn't deserve any of that personally. You know, my my opinion. Um, you know, silly things said about about the team and such like about the manager. I mean it's it it's getting a bit daft if you ask me. I think I think some of the some of the reaction needs to be dialed down because this is gonna we're all gonna end up having flipping heart attacks by the end of the season if it carries on like this. Yeah, I, I find it you know, there are some players that get more stick than others. And I I actually think it's the I think it's the players funnily enough who who came up with us in league two that they get the most yeah. stick maybe because they've been with us a while you look at santos seems to get you know he splits the fan base and um, if you remember you know just under 12 months ago Dion charles was getting um you know he was getting yeah. stick wasn't he when yeah. he weren't scoring so it's it is just geffen jones's turn and i i do think there's the siege mentality or the you know i i think as soon as as soon as somebody notices something sometimes and mentions it online, suddenly everyone notices it. You know, it just took one pl- one person to go, oh, Gaffin Jones is having a bad few games. And then everyone's like, oh, yeah, yeah, Gaffin Jones, he's he's not mm. playing well, is he? And, you know, to his high standards, he's not. But we've said before, Gaffin Jones isn't a player who, for me, puts in 10 out of 10 performances every week. He's your constant 7.5 out of 10 or 7 out of 10. And occasionally you'll get an 8 or a 9. But... On average, he's a seven, which you do need in your team. So, yeah, he's been, he's had a few, you know, dodgy performances at the start of the season. And when you've, you've lost two games like we have, maybe that gets magnified a bit. But, you know, I think it, for me, it's the same with Unlunderloo that the manager isn't just going to play players just because the, he's mates with them or he wants to prove a point. He's going to play players that he sees putting in performances or doing it on the training ground or who's good his personality's good for the for the mm. team. And Geffen Jones clearly has that. Um you know, he got his goal on Tuesday, which you know, I mean half the team scored on Tuesday, but he got his goal. <laughs> I was very pleased uh, with that, I have to say. It was uh, it was a nice bit of redemption. Yeah. And he's done that before. He's done that where he's come in on the. I think it was Port Vale last year. He uh, not Port Vale. MK Dons last year in the five 0 where he, he he comes in from the right and and puts it in. And I, I think he's you know he should do that more. And um, yeah, I I just yeah I, I think it is harsh on Geffen Jones. I I do ex- I agree. He's not been playing as well as as what he had been doing. Um, but like I said, I think sometimes the players that we had in League Two are the ones where you look and think, well, okay, have they been with us too long now? Have they outstayed the welcome? So I think that goes against Gaff. Yeah, well, let's uh, let's move on. Let's talk talk about some headlines. You've picked out some of the best ones of the week. News. 
Yeah, well, um, just on basically what we've just been talking about, but Ian Everett has had his say, and he's yeah. um, convinced that Geffen Jones will bounce back from, uh, you know, the, the, the haters, if you will. Um, and like I said, he, he knows him best, doesn't he? He does, he does. And I, I think Geffen will know in his heart of hearts he's not played well. I don't think people are, are, are pointing out anything that is particularly revolutionary. And when I put the, the matter to Ian Everett on Monday, he agreed. You know, he's not necessarily had his, his best start to the season. Um, he's out for three games now. And the reality is that Will Forrester is there. And Will Forrester has played extremely well, I think, in the first couple of games we've seen him uh, start for Bolton. So by the time Getting Jones comes back after suspension following the international break, he might well be fighting to get in the team. Um, the, the difference, and I think something... Maybe not people people are not expecting, but there's no way on earth he's going to stand for that. He will be fighting for a place in the team. I, I fully expect him to get back in the team at some stage. Um, he's not the type of person who's just going to kind of sit there and accept being a, a second stringer. I'm very sure of that. Um, it's pretty much the same sort of sentiment that, that came from the manager. I think he knows him very well, as you, as you say. He's one of the big leaders in the group. Um, and... He backs him to, to come back and, and, and show the right sort of attitude. But I think the door of opportunity has swung open now. And by the time we get round to the Northampton game on the 21st, I think there's probably going to be a couple of different players who have had that opportunity with all the injuries that are knocking about that we're thinking more along the lines of first-team players. And that's that's the exciting thing, really, is that, Yes, we make big things over, you know, an injury crisis and all that sort of stuff. But it really just gives another first team player a chance to show that he should be there. Um, if results don't go, then I think that's when the likes of Gethin Jones and, and Santos and, you know, Gomez and etc. etc. all come back in and things look rosier. But I think it, it shouldn't necessarily be um, a bad thing um, that... Uh, that he spends a little bit of time out the team now and then gets that bit between his teeth to go again. Yeah, um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing Forrester play. Um, you know, I think he's done well so far. He's looked good. He's, he's a big game for him on Saturday against his yeah. former club. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. You know, I, I one of the lads I play football with is a Port Vale fan and he's really, he says he's, he's a great player and he will play higher. So he's very, um, very hopeful of that. And I think... Um, it's now it's time to, to show it. You know, we as we said last year, we we saw it with um, with Toll, mm. um, and is he he got that place? He got that spot, um, you know. And and yeah, it's down to now Forrester to do it. And you know, with Santos due to come back in a few weeks, there's another space there. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting. And I think it'll change the dynamic of of how we play as well. Um, sometimes with Santos because of his physical. Um, you know how, how big he is. You, you you know you've kind of got that comfort blanket of knowing that if a player is, is going through a fifty fifty with him, you're not winning it. Well, you know I don't think any of our other defenders have that physicalness uh, no. about them. So um, we're going to have to play in a slightly different way. So I mean I'm looking forward to seeing how we do that. Yeah, no, it's, it's a good point you make. I think you can't leave everybody one on one the same way as you do with uh, Ricardo Santos. Uh, they do push so many players forward when they get the chance, knowing that Ricardo Santos's pace and power gets him out of a lot of 
uh, sticky situations. But yeah, I, I think they probably will do. And, and Port Vale have got the, the bit between the teeth. They're playing well. I think it's going to be a, a really, really interesting game. But uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that in a bit, Henry. Let's crack on. Yeah, well, another thing uh, that's... I, I'm oh Well, this, I guess you, naturally you would ask this question and naturally you would say this, but it's going to... Uh, proof will be in the pudding is that Bolton need to crack down on these uh, lack of, you know, the indiscipline. Uh, we've had a few sendings off uh, in recent weeks, and that includes Ian Everett himself, who's been booked a few times. Thomason already has got, a, it must be the fastest uh, yellow card suspension ever. Um, yeah. So it, they obviously need to, to have that, you know, have more discipline. But what's interesting for me before I throw this back to you is that, you know, the, the manager and the players have said that they are, in terms of uh, back chat, in terms of you know speaking back to the referee, they are not doing that. They want to play in a certain way. They want to be respectful. And I think we've spoke about it on this podcast before, that sometimes if there's a, a dodgy decision that goes against us, I personally would like to see the players in the ref's faces a little bit. So it's not through that side of indiscipline. It's actually through what goes on on the pitch. Yeah, I think there's a fine balance because the referees have obviously been told to crack down on dissent. And I've I've noticed a couple of times in, in recent games, uh, Toll's first yellow card, for example, um, over at Reading was for dissent. And I think that's what they've got to be careful of because as much as you're right, I, I think I do like to see players appeal and, and there to be that kind of collective spirit when... Um, you know, a, a foul goes against you, or that you, you're appealing for the decision from a referee. You've, there is a fine line there, and Kioso, I think, on Saturday was another one that came over. Um, the referee, the captain, is allowed to come over and talk to a referee. Now, Kioso ran over about thirty yards to appeal something that George Thomason had done, I think, and because he'd ran in and I'll quote it, an intimidatory manner, he picked up a yellow card. Now, they're the sort of ones that I think Bolton can do without. You, you, don't, need, uh, you don't need cheap yellow cards. If you're going to get a yellow card, at least kick someone, is my, <laughs> is my frame of reference. Um, preferably don't. And, and certainly with the manager's yellow cards, he's got two. I think a few people have asked me this week to, to give me an update. I actually emailed the FA and got a response back. They've got two. I think it follows the same lines as players with five is a is a is a ban, um, mm. but Ian Everts on two. He kind of pleaded uh, innocence a little bit at the weekend. Said um, he hadn't said anything untowards, and you know I think that's probably I can only really take his word on that because we can't really tell um, from this. It was all a bit messy down there at the time. Um, but it is something that they've got to watch out for because referees are clearly being told to try and stamp it out. And when you get these directives, some referees will take it to the absolute nth degree. Um, certainly, we saw the other week with uh, with the guy at Reading. Um, that was a, that was that was certainly a, a strange one. But as far as as Gethin Jones in discipline goes, I think that was out of character. Yes, of course, you don't want to see people you know lose their. Uh, lose their head in that manner I don't think it happens very often I think Bolton are about ninth in the table as far as fair play goes in league one they're hardly uh, rough ass rovers it's kind of um, 
it's, it's quite out of character really for Bolton to get uh, a red card for a serious for serious foul play. It's, it tends to be debate uh, debatable kind of uh, handballs on the line and that sort of thing, doesn't it? But it is something I think they've got to keep an eye on. I think they are looking to to, to issue fines and all that sort of stuff. And young Thomason is definitely one of those who who could probably just check himself a little bit um, at times because he he looks. He's always playing on that edge, isn't he, George? Yeah, I, I do like that, though. I think you need that player in your team. And, um, yeah. you know, obviously, uh, yeah, he's going to get a lot of bookings. That's, uh, you know, that's natural. But I do, I like that he is that player. But, uh, yeah, I think there's there's sometimes with it, I look and, you know, I think some of Thomason's bookings could have been avoided. And I think it's the ones that could be avoided um, you know, he, he plays this exactly the same from minute one to minute 91. Mm. And if we're winning in the 88th minute and not hanging on, but winning comfortably, you don't really need him, you know, getting a book in. You know, I think there's, there has been a few where I've been like, he didn't really need to do that. But on the whole, I think uh, he's we kind of need that player uh, and he is it. So, um, yeah, maybe... maybe uh, we just accept that George Thomason is going to get 25 bookings this year and miss half the <laughs> half the season. Um, right. <laughs> yeah, well, you be looking at that. I'll uh, move on to the next headline. Um, and it's uh, it's Shola Shoratere. Obviously, we saw him as captain the other day. Um, it looked like he, he didn't enjoy himself at all coming he's on his return to the tough sheet. Um, and you asked Ian Everett whether there was an opportunity to bring him back on loan. And, and he said... Well, he didn't say there was an opportunity. He just said that Bolton didn't didn't want to take it up. To be fair, it didn't look like he enjoyed himself uh, for the for the most part when he was on loan at Bolton. Really, I think uh, he looked a very young man. I think is the best way to say it. I think it, there were a couple of games where it was a very open contest and there wasn't much um, physicality. Charlton and Peterborough I think the manager pointed those two games out and I'd agree with him I think he was excellent there and, and right at the very beginning you thought hey up there's a player here and I think there is a player I think he is technically a very good player but I think until he can contend with that kind of physical side of things that league one football is going to be difficult for him um, uh, Ian Everett said that there were, there were lots, lots of reports knocking about saying that, that Bolton were coming back in for him, trying to sign him on a permanent basis. He's, uh, the manager's knocked that back, said that's rubbish. Um, but he did say, you know, that Shola Shoratiri needs to go out on loan in January and get more games and get back on the horse because, let's face it, I think he's been at, at United for a fair while. He's been in the under-23s for a fair while. It doesn't look like he's edging any closer, uh, under-21s rather, it doesn't look like he's edging any closer towards Eric Ten Hag's team. Um, the, the way the turnover of players they've got in that first team at the minute, Christ, you've got an absolutely no chance as a youngster. So I think he, he's got to look after himself. Um, he's captain of that team. He's, he's obviously the most experienced member of that team. And... You know, arguably, that there should be teams out there that, that would want to uh, want to take him in January. So that was that was Ian Everett's advice, and I mean, it's it's a shame, isn't it? Because you 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 don't want to see players wither on the vine. Is 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 what I'm trying to say? He's clearly good enough to go and play somewhere. Yeah, and that that is the yeah. I mean, that is the 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 thing with it is that he's he's a talented player, but unfortunately. You can have all the talent in the world, but if you can't, you don't have the physicalness, or you're not prepared to do that, or you, 
you know, you're not going to make it. Even in the Premier League, that mm. you can, you know, there will be games where you don't play, you know, you, do, you don't play uh, the top six every week where it's not as physical. You're going to have to play against the likes of Luton and Burnley and, um, you know, and Sheffield at the bottom. Like, yeah, Sheffield, <laughs> Everton, you know, these teams that are going to make it physical. And if you can't do it against them, then you're not going to then play in the, the games against the top six. So mm. for him, he needs to learn that. And, you know, he's still a young guy, so he'll, he'll find it. But again, I just think the match the other day, it didn't do anyone any any harm. You know, uh, sorry, it didn't do anyone any good. It did more harm. Jorotere mm. was captain for a reason. Clearly the most experienced player on the pitch in terms of minutes in, in uh, men's football, as they always call it. <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, he, I, even on even on on Tuesday, I just think the game passed him by a bit, I'd, and that isn't a good thing. You know, he's meant to be the captain of that young team, and yeah, you know, does does the EFL trophy mean anything to United under twenty ones? It probably doesn't, and that, in the end, that's why Bolton won eight one. But like, it, I don't think he stood up, and I, I think he he looked like he was moaning. And yeah. that's not a good sign. You know, you you want somebody who is going to be a captain, encouraging, and he. He just looked like he was a, a spy-up kid who he's, he's probably the best player on the pitch and he just doesn't understand why everyone else isn't at his level. I mean, in, for a United point of view, not for... <laughs> he weren't the best player on the pitch, obviously, for a Bolton point of view. We know what you meant, Henry. Let's move on. Let's move <laughs> on and pretend it never happened. Um, well, we're moving on. This is quite a... It's an interesting note, and I think it's an interesting note because you never know what's happening in players' personal lives. Dan Lundaloo obviously scored his two goals the other day and... It emerged afterwards that he, he'd been wearing a T-shirt under his, his shirt for the last few games to pay tribute to a friend of his who sadly died. And I think sometimes, you know, you, you can... You, as fans, you're always going to criticise players when they're not playing well. And I don't, I'm don't. i not saying that fans can't do that. But I think sometimes, and it's the same with Geffen Jones now, is that sometimes maybe think about what's going on in those players' personal lives. And it's emerged that Dan has had a... a, a uh, quite a sad few weeks. Yeah, uh, I think he uh, has been wearing a shirt underneath his his regular top, obviously, um, in tribute to Ben Cull, who passed away uh, last week at the age of 24, a former Southampton Academy player who played in the England youth team, knew uh, Dan very well. And obviously that, uh, that affected him and uh, and. It was lovely that obviously he got the chance to, to score the goals and, and put the uh, put the message out there as well. I think the Southampton newspaper in the morning phoned me up early early doors and said, "Is there is there a chance we can use that picture, use that use that story because um, it'll obviously resonate down here as well." So I know he put something out on social media as well, Dan. So uh, yeah, I mean, as you say, these little things can be weighing on players' minds and, you know, they're, they're not necessarily um, going to kind of define what they're doing, but they, they can uh, maybe take the shine off things or, or, or affect you mentally as well. Um, you know, it, it must be very difficult playing when uh, when your friends passed away like that in, in the circumstances he did. He had a, a rare form of uh, bone cancer, I think, and had been battling against it for, for quite a few years. So... Um, yeah, very, 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 very sad story. Um, and hopefully, you know, Dan gets a chance to um, to score more goals in his in his memory as well. 
Yeah, and I think it was the interview with the club. I think he said, um, I may have got this the wrong end of his stick here, but he, I think he said it was the first experience of death that he's, uh, yeah. to someone he's close with. So yeah. obviously that's going to affect him differently than, um, you know, anyone who's who's experienced that a few times. But um, I'm not sure you yeah, ever get. It's... I'm not sure you ever get like battle hardened to it. But I think uh, we we touched on it earlier there about him having a character. He's a young man. He's you know uh, uh, not. He's not. He's uh, immature. I suppose is the word I'm looking for. But yeah, he is a, a young player, and he's he obviously will feel that really really uh, harder than somebody who's, who's maybe had several years in the game and such like it's um it, it affects everybody differently doesn't it yeah it does and uh yeah hopefully uh dan Lundlu, perfect tribute to his friend would be to go on and and have a, a fantastic career and yeah uh hopefully you can do that with bolton um right now moving on to something obviously more positive and uh, it is about bolton's we're okay we're in a bit of an injury crisis and a suspension crisis at the moment but there is, there is sunshine around the corner. Players are going to be coming back. And uh, Ian Everett has spoken about that and said that if we get through these few weeks, then it should be a rosier October. Yeah, it's interesting, uh, the, the response to this story, really, because he said it a couple of times now. I think he's looked at these three games that start with Port Vale away, Stevenage at home, Carlisle at home. Now, probably with a full-strength team, you look at those three games and you think, well... I fancy seven points there as a minimum, really. I think two home games in a... I mean, Port Vale's never easy, is it? But seven yeah. points, I think that's... If you ask me at the start of the season what I fancied, that, that would be what, what I'd guess. With the injuries, I think Ian Everett, for the first time, really, has, has kind of dialed things down a little bit and just maybe underplayed things and just said, listen, we're going to have to play players out of position. We're going to have to just make do in this three games. Um, you're carrying injuries. Of course, you've got players that are out. We know the players that are out. The Santos, Gomez, uh, Magoma, uh, people like that, Johnson. Um, but there are also players like uh, Dion Charles, Kyle Dempsey, who are carrying injuries as well and having to play through them. Now, they're going to be asked to play three games in seven days, which is going to be difficult. Um, and it's going to... Uh, so says the manager, you know, it's going to take a bit of a joint effort. I think he's openly said to the fans, listen, you're going to have to stick with us here. You're going to have to, we may not be at our best. We may not be at our strongest. This might not be pretty, um, but you're just going to have to stick with us. And it'll be interesting to see whether or not the dynamic changes a bit, because as I mentioned at the top there, I think some of the stuff that was said after the Peterborough game was, was, was crazy. Um, you know, some of the, some of the reactions, uh, to the Jones red card, to, to to just things in general. I think everything, I don't know if it's just the world at the minute, but every everybody has to be the, the very best or the very worst. Everything has to be blown out of all proportion. I think at, right at the minute, I think people have just got to look at this three and, you know, I wouldn't say dial down. Of course, they'll be going into the game to win, obviously. Um, but I, I think... It's not not about performance necessarily, if that makes sense. I think it's it's just about grinding these three out. Yeah, it's. I mean, another uh, headline is that Ian Everett has said on Saturday we need to, you know, do and make mend, uh, make do and make mend. Uh, what's the yeah, make do and mend? That's the one. That's the just rearrange the, the letters into a well-known <laughs> phrase. That's a new game show. <laughs> um, so. I think it's it's important because it, again, uh, you know, as always at Port Vale, it's going to be a big 
uh, away following for Bolton. And I think as a Bolton fan, you know, Port Vale, everyone understands Port Vale is a tough place to go. The fact that we drew last time, we were hanging on because we were down to 10 men. Uh, and the reaction to that was that it was a reaction as if we won the game from the fans. So I think yeah. there are certain circumstances where the fans understand. And I think if we lose 1-0 on Saturday and it's, uh, you know, the, everyone's put 100% in, it just hasn't gone for us, then I think the fans will react to that. If we're 3-0 down after 10 minutes, then the fans will react to that as well. So I, I, I do think the fans need to get on board, but in it's within context, really. And... Mm. Um, you know, even though everyone understands that we're down to the bare bones, but if if the players who are playing aren't putting in a performance, then I think the fans will react in the way they should. But you know, it's a it's a big game on Saturday, and I think you know it's it's where you say there about um, you know grouping games together and looking at how many points we're getting here and there. We always said it was a tough September. You know, we played Derby, Peterborough, Reading, and uh, now Port Vale away, and. With all the injuries and stuff, if we win on Saturday, we come out of uh, this month with seven points, which mm. I think actually is very good. Um, and we would have probably taken that at the start of the uh, of the month. We go, we'll go above Port Vale, so we'll be back in the playoffs. With then, as you said, looking at three home games in a row and, a, and an easier, in in quotations, um, looking October. Yeah. Now you know, it's, I've just had a look here because I thought, well, Port Vale are doing very well. They've actually. Port Vale have played Reading at home and Blackpool away and they won at Charlton. But other than that, they've been playing the likes of Carlisle and uh, Burton's and Northampton's of this world. So this is a big game for them as well, really, because if they're going to have ambitions of getting in the playoffs, they're going to want to see Bolton as a, right, we need to put a marker down. So, um, you know, it's it's the pressure's on both teams, really. And I think it's, um, you know, I am I'm quietly confident we can go and get a result from there. But you know, it's I, I do think it's I agree with what the manager's saying. October looks a lot more rosier, and it wouldn't surprise me because under Ian Everett, we have been, we've been a team sort of who, when we've got going, we've really got going. It wouldn't surprise me if we put a run together of six or seven wins in a row, um, starting with the three home games, but um, but yeah, it's it's we've got to kind of get through this point at the moment where we're you know we've, we've got players injured and suspended the weird the weird thing is actually within the stadium on saturday that second half the support was brilliant you know it, it very much played a part in the players getting over the line and, and almost winning it at the end it just really does seem to be the social media reaction some of the comments and such like I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm overinterpreting it. Maybe, um, maybe I should just switch Twitter off on a Saturday night. Maybe, maybe that's the way to do it. Good grief! I'd love to do that. I'd love just. I'd love to go up to Elon Musk's house and literally find the button and twi- turn the whole thing off. That's what I'd like to do. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's uh, close to doing that he's as well. Considering actually. it, isn't he? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. The last uh, headline this week, and this is a, a a fun one. Really, it's a nice one. It's the and finally of the headlines um, that we're set to have a, a, a supporters trust evening with Kevin Davis, Ricardo Gardner, and Nicky Hunt, who are back to talk about the glory days of Bolton Wanderers. Which I'm sure for anyone who was supporting Bolton or following Bolton in that time, um, you we could all talk about it until the cows come home. Yeah, it's going to be uh, going to be a good one. That I think it should be. Uh, I'd imagine 
knowing those three, that Nicky Hunt is going to be doing a lot of the heavy lifting on the, the memories front, because Kev is a great guy, talks very, very well. But I tell you what, whenever you ask him to remember a game, he's, he's not so good. <laughs> he's not so good with that. He's not so good with the detail. Um, uh, Nicky Hunt is, is much better, and, and Ricardo Gardner is is. It's quite quiet. I'm sure he'll 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 interject with a with a few little barbs here and there. But um, the three of them together, it'll be interesting to see because obviously they're great mates and uh, and go way back into a into a time of well, God, how long ago? It was quite a long time ago. Full stop. But it feels so long ago when uh, you know Bolton were in were in Europe and 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 at that top table. Um, it's nice to do a bit of reminiscing, isn't it? Every once in a while. Yeah, it is, and it was a, a great time. And I've, I think I've said before on this podcast that I wish uh, that maybe I was because I was uh, a, a teenager when all of that was happening. And I wish maybe if it was happening now, like it is with Brighton, is you could probably um, appreciate it more. Because, yeah, yeah. You know, at, at that point, and it's it's so funny when I think back to Bolton at that time is that. The, when we uh, drew to Blackpool on the last game and missed out on the playoffs and the championship, that is the lowest point I had. Like I've been supporting Bolton for fifteen years at that point, and that was the lowest point I'd ever seen us seventh in the championship. Like <laughs> it's it's it, I cannot get my head around that right now because yeah, we've yeah. obviously not been higher since. But like that is how that shows you know not only that time but the time before it, and you know for me personally, I weren't. I weren't watching us on the Bruce Riot, but the Colin Todd years and the Sam Allardyce years, and yeah, it was uh, it was a great time to be a Bolton fan. So uh, and those three players, I mean, for me, Ricardo Gardner is the. If you're talking about a, um, you know, when you talk about the Cotchers and Jarkfs of this world, and yeah, they are rightly like putting the upper echelons of Bolton players. For me, one of my heroes that isn't normally put as a hero i think you know bolton fans appreciate him but he's not really talk, spoke about in wider circles he's ricardo gardner he was i mean he, he was such a brilliant player i had the in the northbury junior leagues at under nine level i was wearing the yellow puma kings and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know i was i wanted to be ricardo gardner so didn't have the pace of ricardo gardner or the hair but um you know I, i'd certainly had the boots yeah, you know, Pippi's uh, a top guy as well, a really top guy. And, uh, yeah, it'd be good to see them again. Uh, go to the Supporters Trust website um, and the tickets are on sale for that one. I think it's uh, early November. Um, OK, uh, Fantasy Football League, Henry? Why not? I see. Upbeat about it this week, are we? Now that you've had a decent <laughs> week. Um, yeah. For the first yeah. time, I think. I think this is the first time full stop. You are ahead of me in the table. Did you know well, that? Well, on uh, on Sunday after the Newcastle game, when I thought, well, hang on a minute. I've had Trippier here and I've got a Newcastle centre-half who scored uh, in my team as well. And I, I tried to look for you in the table and I was looking up and scrolling up and up and up and I just couldn't find you. So... <laughs> Um, yeah, I kind of, I felt, I knew, I felt, I, I knew I was ahead of you, but, uh, yeah, it was, it wasn't bad for me in the end. I had two players sent off and managed to bench all three of my Brighton players. Ooh. Um, it was, 
about as near to a car crash as you could possibly have with fantasy football at the weekend for me. So I am down in the bottom 200 for the first time ever. Um, you were up to the dizzy heights of 129th uh, with a little green upward arrow next to your name. So um, well done you, I suppose. And uh, I, I think it's going to be a case of tearing the team up and starting again for me because everybody's injured now. Um, but never mind. Uh, let's have a look at the top four. Barbecue chicken still top. Um <laughs> Ben Gocha's team. Uh, second, Curtage Coles. Oh, Curtage Coles? I don't know what the hell that says. It's Jordan McDermott's team anyway. He's on 421. Irish dancers who were top a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Stephen Irish's team, they're on 421. And Kinderwood Buemo, Lee McNeil's team, uh, 418. So, Barbecue Chicken, top of the league, 429 in the Buff League. Still time to join. If you haven't done it, by the way, just click the... Uh, notes on the podcast uh, wherever you are listening from it's time for an email now is that philip marish emails actually thank you very much phil thank you very much phil um yes keep those emails coming by the way we've got a few in the tank um but uh We've had quite a few of the Quantum Leap emails, so I may well read out a few together next week and uh, and discuss that one. Um, there was a different type of email that I got um, week before last now um, from Steve T, and it, it opens up another little room of room of debate. So let's see how this one goes. Let's see what we think about this one. He says, Mark and Henry. Uh, one for a quiet moment on the pod. Uh, you're a mad scientist. We, we had a bit of science at the top of the show, so I thought this links in. Um, you're a mad scientist with the ability of fusing two living things together, much like Dr. Brundle in The Fly. Um, you'll have to have seen the film to get that reference. But yeah, uh, I've, I've seen this, the, the Simpsons uh, do a, a Halloween special based correct. on it. So that's my... I've not seen the film, but I'm well aware of it through The Simpsons. Like, much of my film knowledge is basically, has The Simpsons done something on it? Yes, right, I know what it is. <laughs> it was a, a 1950s B-movie, which The Simpsons lampooned, and then it got remade by David Cronenberg in the mid-'80s. Uh, a bit of a disgusting horror, body swap horror. Not good. Um, Jeff Goldblum was in it. Um, anyway, he says, you're only allowed to choose Bolton Wanderers players. Uh, which ones would you choose and why? He says, my suggestion is a player who has Nicola, ne- Nicholas and Nelka's pace and finishing skills with Abdullah Faye's power and heading ability. I'm going to call my creation Abdullah's Faye Nelka, okay. says Steve T. Now, I don't know whether you've had any thoughts about this, Henry, but I might open it up to the floor. If you could fuse together two Bolton Wanderers players, past or present... Um, and create uh, and create a, a, a new entity, what would they be? Um, well, I was thinking about this, and I, I, I mean, for, I've got sort of four players, so two, you know, two flies, if you will. <laughs> um, the first one would be, I'd have Mark Davis, just for his low centre of gravity and his, uh, his uh, dribbling ability. Um and then I'd take out his, his injury proneness. Uh, that can go into the other fly that gets made, uh, the one that we discard <laughs> or send to uh, Wigan. It ends up at Wigan. Um, and I'd probably, I, I would I would join him with having a Nelka in there for his finishing ability. And I just think that, imagine a, a player that is half a Nelka's finishing ability and, and 
Mark Davis's dribbling ability, and you've you basically got Messi. So <laughs> I would have I would have him, and then secondly, I would have Acotra mixed with Rico Santos, and it just it it would basically be like that kid in the playground that is just too good for everyone else or plays at an academy and it's just somebody who is um you know over six foot just play, players you know people bounce off him but he's got the skills of a cotcher so he's just kind of <laughs> juggling it on his head and running to the goal uh so they will be mine and i'd call him jj santos uh and mark and elka <laughs> Mark and Elka. That's like one of those dodgy pro Evo soccer type <laughs> of names that. Um, well, you've thought about it a lot more than I have, I have to say. Um, I couldn't get past mixing Nat Lofthouse with Danny Shitu and getting Danny Shithouse. <laughs> Sorry. Nice. Nice. I like it. <laughs> That's all I was. You've obviously gone on a different level than I have. I just I just thought of rude names and thought, can I, uh, can I fuse them together? So... Um, whichever route you take, let us know, guys. Uh, send us in an email on this address. So you want to bring something up on the buff? Email Mark and Henry on the buffmail at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-B-U-F-F-M-A-I-L, all one word, at gmail.com. And sorry to the male escort who probably getting some unsolicited Bolton Wanderers correspondence from the people who spell that incorrectly. Right, it's time for a couple of predictions. Wanderers have got a couple of games before we next hit the streets. So, bring out your crystal balls. Pass us my crystal ball. What's happening next week? Prediction time. Yep, okay, prediction time. This week, we are going to try and remember to do a prediction as well, Henry, because I never remember to do a prediction. In fact, I'm going to do it right at the top. Right at the top, it's going to be nil-nil on Saturday against Port Vale and they're going to follow it up with a 1-0 win against Stevenage on Tuesday night how about that um, yeah I, I can see that happening um, I, it, I, can't, I can never remember if we if we didn't do a prediction last week then I was definitely going to say we'd beat United 8-1 um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> but uh, yeah I, I it wouldn't surprise me if that was the case um, I think the, the Port Vale game it's you know the last three times they've not scored against us actually. No, Bale Park. Um, they did enough at the Uni Bowl in that six-three. Um, but uh, yeah, I can. I don't really know with Port Vale. It's going to be really interesting because, as I said before, I think it's a big game for them and a big game to show what what they're going to do this year. Mm. Um, so I, I've got a sneaky feeling we're going to go. I've got a sneaky feeling we'll go and win one 0 I really have. Yeah, Get a one nil, right? Um, because as well, it's a, it's a big game for Bolton and, and the sort of how the fan base see it. Because if we win, we go above Port Vale. Lois will be sixth, and suddenly everyone's looking up again, and it's it's all rosy. If we lose, there's a lot of teams within two or three points of us below. So if we lose, we could end up in the bottom half, and I don't think. If that happens, then I'm uh, I'm just logging off the internet <laughs> on Saturday, <laughs> never returning until uh, after the Stevenage game because even that is going to be, you know, the Stevenage game is going to be, they 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 may be top or near the top of the league. They ain't going to make it easy for Bolton. We know what Steve Evans is like. We know what his teams are like, and that they're going to have to grind out a victory. If they score early on, I think we'll be fine, and I think we'll get a two nil. Um, if we don't. It's going to be a long game, and um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go that 
Bolton don't do things the easy way. So I think it'll be a tough game against Stevenage. I think we'll end up winning 2-1. And it'll be similar to that Burton game. Do you remember last year when they, they'll go 1-0 up oh, for yeah. a scruffy goal? Uh, probably Piagiani or whatever he's called. He's going to score from a header from a corner. And then um, we'll just we'll get over the line and we'll score at the end. And it'll probably be Bod Varson again, actually, who'll score. So uh, Stevenage will be the new Markham for us. Um <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that's my prediction. I think 1-0 on Saturday and then we'll win 2-1 on Tuesday. I'll definitely take six points. That's uh, that's good. I mean, Port Vale, you've got to go over the first hurdle first. And, and they have actually got a good record at Port Vale. And I always I always feel like it's a, it's a you know trademark difficult place to go. But it's really not a difficult place to go if you're Bolton. They've done quite well. They don't, they don't concede a lot there. They don't lose a lot there. But... Um, it always seems like a really tense atmosphere. The, the fans are right on top of you. It's quite a wide open bowl of a stadium as well. It always seems, the pitch seems wider. It always has traditionally been the widest pitch, but I'm not sure it necessarily is now. I think it just feels that way because of the, the kind of the, the width of the stadium. Um, and it certainly felt wide last year when <laughs> it was about 40 degree heat as well when they were... <laughs> Defending yeah. with ten men, it was ridiculous. But yeah, I'll never, I'll never forget watching them in in lockdown when they came marching through the stand, having changed at the back of the stand. It was like the shield, if you remember the old WWE <laughs> reference, uh, like marching down the stand. There was no fans in the stadium. It was just like the t- the team marching on like a bunch of ants onto the pitch. <laughs> um, yeah, they, they've done well, Portville. They've started really well. Uh, ben Garrity's scored a few goals recently. I quite like him whenever I see him. Alfie Devine is. Um, is their kind of golden boy at the minute. Um, he's uh, he's one to, to, to watch out for, definitely. I, and they've got a, f- a few. Uh, Devine's on loan from Spurs, by the way. Um, they've got a few decent we forward players. Uh, yeah, we I think there was. I think there were uh, some sort of uh, links. I'm not sure whether there's anything in it. I, I'll probably have to ask Ian Ever, actually. I'm, I'm seeing him in a few minutes. I'll ask him, Emery. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the, that's the benefit of this podcast, Mark, is that there are other Bolton Wonders podcasts that don't have access to Ian Everett like you do. Well, there's, yeah, that's true. You could ask Jack Dearden to do it, I suppose, but there is no way on earth would he remember um, the name Alfie Devine by the time he got to his car. Not in a million years. <laughs> um, I will do my. I will endeavour to try and get an answer for that uh, one for you, Henry. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that there was anything in it personally, but... We shall see. We shall see whether I'm right. Prediction time, you see. Um, but as far as Port Vale go, they've been good at home this season. They seem to have reserved their best performances for home. I mean, they got beat by Barnsley 7-0 on the opening day of the season, so we can't really go anywhere from there, I suppose. But they've been some decent teams at home, so I have a feeling it's going to be a really tight one. I'm going to go for the goalless draw and... I hope that it picks up a little bit in midweek with a with a, an odd goal against against Stevenage, um, but we shall mm. see. I, I'm, I'm strangely optimistic. I quite like it when there's a bit of uh, bit of a siege mentality. I don't know what it is, but when there's a few injuries about and you're not expecting it so much, it's when all the the bravado and this kind of the hyperbole and such like comes around that I I always think Bolton. I know they do it for a reason, and the, the kind of confidence is is baked into the whole idea. But I always think you just you, you're setting yourself up for the fall. I always like to be pleasantly surprised. But uh, hey, yeah, um, it's I, I don't think until we get back to the Premier League that Bolton fans will ever uh, be in the pleasantly surprised mode. No. I think we're all like we're Bolton <laughs> Wanderers, biggest team in the world, and uh, we should do you remember be little old Bolton. <laughs> 
I don't think there's ever been little old Bolton, truly. Um, there was but, a time, uh, I'm sure there was a time, I'm sure there was a time where, where Sam Allardyce used to trot off the, uh, the the little old Bolton line all the time and it was it was great. It was great. I miss little yeah. old Bolton. <laughs> but then Wigan took it over and it was like, oh no, yeah, they actually are little old Wigan. Um, but um, yeah, it's, I, you know, I think it's, uh, I, I think for, for Bolton at the moment, as long as, like at the moment we're seventh, I think as long as we can stick around the sort of playoff area, um, I, I do think there's a run coming and I think it will be probably around late October, November, hopefully into December where we'll just go on a winning run and I think that's, as long as we're there or thereabouts and within touching distance of a top end, I think um, at this sort of stage of a season, the league's going to sort of even itself out a little bit. And with respect to the likes of Stevenage and Port Vale, who have had great starts, but they'll fall down a little bit to their natural level. Um, and it's now up to Bolton to uh, capitalise, because at the moment, out of the teams that were favourites, there's only Portsmouth that are really capitalising on it at the moment. Yeah, I think if you uh, if you go back to our prediction thing, I think we said that Oxford and Portsmouth were going to have a reasonable start, and uh, and they have, but... I'm with you. I think if they can stay within touch for the international break, um, I, you know, six points or so from that would, would do me, I think. But um, you never know. You never know. You live in hope. That's what, It's always the uh, the football that spoils the Saturday afternoon, as my old mate Jack used to say. OK, right. Let's uh, let's see out this podcast um, with a, a quick reminder uh, that... Uh, you can get involved with our advertising boost, our Wanderers Boost. Um, if you want to get your brand associated with our top-rated Bolton Wanderers stories, then please follow the information on the podcast by an email John Ashley at localiq.co.uk. Uh, you can even get your brand on this very podcast. Have an audio audio advert read out by Henry Hewitt. Imagine the imagine that. Oof, the dream, the the the, that would get you. Uh, I, I don't know, uh, whatever you come. But if it's the sock shop or if it's the cars, pasties or whoever mm. else, that'll that'll sell you a lot more products. I mean, there are. I'm just trying to think of stuff that has sponsored Bolton Wanderers related stuff before. Frankincense, they they sponsor everything. <laughs> you do, everything. yeah. They've even got a stand. They have. They're they're incredible. Um, yeah, I'll get get Henry. Henry's sexy voice might well be able to read out your uh, your business name. Uh, forget my voice. You could have Bolton's sexiest voice, TM. Um, uh, so if you do run an erectile dysfunction uh, <laughs> tablet shop or um, <laughs> anything else, then uh, then Henry will read out like Anchorman as well. Believe me, I do po- I do notes for this podcast. He will read anything. Literally anything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like when Bolton FM were reading out all those weird names at the end when they first started doing iFollow, remember? Yeah, oh, the glory days. You know you know what? We'll all think back one day to the League Two year season and there'll be there'll be documentaries, Mark, about it. You'll be doing I know you've done the White Hot years lately, you know, recently. Yeah. You'll be doing that season where we all watched every game on iFollow. But you know, Bolton FM were reading out dodgy names. Uh, there were songs played during the matches. Oh um, yeah, I remember. Um, was it Virgil Shardy? Fa- wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The famous game where they put crowd noise through the the PA, and we lost at home to Oldham. Um, that one, yeah. The glory days. Oh dear, dear, dear. Yes, definitely. There's a long greed in there somewhere. 
when I uh, when I get that job at the Athletic, you never know. Okay, right. Well, until that time, which is going to be a long time, I, I suspect, especially if they listen to this podcast um, <laughs> on a regular basis. Until next Friday, when episode one ninety three will again be assaulting your uh, senses. Um, he's been Henry Hewitt, and he's been Mark Hiles, and that has been the buff. Mm-hmm.